0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: This is Andy Heaton. I'm here for a tour special. I'm delighted to be joined by Kieran Maguire, who teaches football finance at the University of Liverpool Football Industries, MBA, I believe. Um, we've got Kieran in. Uh, we've been trying to get him in for a while actually to talk about his book, uh, The Price of Football. But um and that will that's to be that will be coming soon. But basically, just with the goings on of the past week, I bet your world's exploded over the past one. Since Friday night. That's we-
0: right. I was uh, just just in the process of cooking my wife a nice meal for Valentine's night, and then the phone started ringing at twenty to seven, on, uh, and that was from Sky, BBC News, ITV, Talksport, Talksport Two, Radio, Manchester. Uh, I finally got to bed about half past eleven and then started on Radio 5 the following morning at seven o'clock in the morning and it's not stopped since.
1: So we are, of course, talking about um, the decision uh, and judgment handed down by UEFA to Manchester City banning them from the Champions League for two seasons and also issuing them with a £30 million fine. I mean, it, it, a lot, I know football's sensationalist anyway, but I mean, this is really a verdict that shook the whole of European football.
0: I think so. I agree with you entirely. Part of the reason for that is that uh, City themselves had been briefing journalists that they, they were very confident that there wouldn't be um, any severe penalties um, and they were completely innocent of the charges. And certainly those are the stories that were going out uh, in the media. Um, until sort of the start of uh, last week, where all of a sudden the the tone clearly changed. And uh, then then we were seeing um, accusations made by City uh, against UEFA um, in respect of the the, the way that information had been leaked. And it looked like uh, things had turned very hostile all all of a sudden, um, which seemed unusual until, of course, the the ruling came out from the adjudicating uh, committee on Friday evening.
1: We'll get into the detail in a minute, which is really interesting stuff, but... Just to give it a sense of scale, it's no understatement to say this fight could actually bring down UEFA.
0: Yes. um, If City go to Cass and they, they win the case... Um, I think that uh, UEFA's committee and its protocols and its procedures will be called into question. There's also been talk that uh, if City even lose the case to CAS, City then could potentially take up the matter with some of the Swiss federal courts um, to try to prove that UEFA's, um, UEFA's rules in respect of financial fair play and other issues are a restraint of trade. Um, so who knows where we could end up. So, UEFA, as much as anybody else, uh, they're they're very close to uh, to potential uh, breakup.
1: There's been quite a lot of history onyx um, around the whole case, especially in the tabloid media. There's been a bit more forensic detailing, a couple of more well-respected voices, yourself, Tarek Panja, the, the uh, New York Times, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, in your opinion, uh, what months? So, what I'm supposed to asking is is what they've been found guilty of. Is that what Man City are claiming? Because there seems to be a lot of noise about what they're actually being what they've actually been found guilty of, and then what City are accusing UEFA of?
0: Well, the the ruling from UEFA that came out, or or the press release, well, was pretty brief. Um, it was in reference to City overstating commercial income. Now, those accusations go back to when Manchester City first signed up the deal with Etihad Airlines um, and some other sponsors. And it's all it all revolves around whether or not those are at a fair price so are manchester city allowed to have sponsorship uh, deals with people connected to their owners absolutely yes um the, the, then we've got to ensure that those are at market prices and not inflated prices what appears to have come out from uefa uh, initially is that those, in their opinion, the prices were inflated. And then there was another sentence which was a bit vaguer. Um, and this could be connected with um, some of the accusations in respect of have City been suppressing some of their costs uh, in relation to other issues concerning the club.
1: So this is in reference to the emails, in the Football League's emails, look um, for by the Spiegel. And there was a line uh, that stuck out the uh, an email chain with the former Chief Financial Officer, uh, I can't pronounce it. George Ch- Chulamas, I think. And he would, um, where it turned out, it appears, it appears to show that, um, most, if the vast majority of the 57 million sponsorship fee was actually being paid by city, them, essentially city themselves with Etihad only uh, contributing 8 million of that sponsorship, um, revenue
0: that's right and certainly if if that email and that and the evidence supporting it has has proved to be uh, true then uh city's defense is is very much uh, in tatters um to me it seems ridiculously unprofessional that any person let alone a person operating in finance would would write that in an email because we all know that email trails um, can be hacked. They they can be uh, they can be leaked as well by disaffected employees. Um, if if I was and if I was doing it, and, and clearly I'm not doing it, but if I was doing it, the one thing I wouldn't do is is tell anybody about it. Um, so it. It's smacks of arrogance it it's uh, if it has been done then uh, unfortunately manchester city are in a very weak position
1: just uh, I, and again this is all we're, we're making certain assumptions and this is all allegedly but it's curious that manchester city haven't actually challenged the veracity of the emails more the process of how they've got into the public domain
0: Yes. So w- w- what city appear to be claiming is that the evidence which has been supplied to the panel that have made the decision, because that, because that evidence has come from a leak or a hack, it therefore makes it invalid. Um, and therefore that effectively what ha- we have seen is a form of whistleblowing. Um, that evidence has to be ignored when making the decision. Um, I think that's, that will be part of their defense when they go to Cass and they will be saying, this is the evidence which has been presented by UEFA, but we believe that that information cannot be accepted when making the ruling because of the nature of its source.
1: It's clear that from the, the language city user, which has been very inflammatory, very volatile, very very, aggressive, they, and it's quite clear they claim an issue with, with the process, and also, I mean, blatantly the, the said there was a prejudicial investigation, Um, and the information is that, city feel that ffp was designed to curtail them um but yet they will still willingly signed up
0: well they did sign up uh, i mean city managed to win the premier league four times um with financial fair play in operation so clearly it, it's not stopped them being successful on the pitch um my view is certainly, having spoken to people um connected with the game um connected to uefa as well is that that was not the intention. Of financial fair play, financial fair play has huge flaws. There is no doubt about it, um, and I think it has created a glass ceiling. But that glass ceiling was created after Manchester City were on the other side of it, because it, it was effectively a post the period when Sheikh Mansour had come to the club and uh, initially injected the large sums, which allowed City to compete with some of the other clubs for trophies.
1: And it's, um, I mean, there's a suggestion that that you you mentioned FFP there and it's many flaws, and a lot's been made of, especially from certain city commentators, that what FFP is now compared to what it was initially supposed to be about controlling excessive debt, whereas now it's more geared towards controlling inflation, wages, etc. It's a different beast, and there's a suggestion alongside whether that's because of pressure from what you'd call old money clubs like Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Barcelona, put pressure on UEFA... To basically close put the shutters down and close the shop
0: yeah, I think that there's there's two issues there. um first of all, is there the 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 initial acclaimed intention of reducing debt, um, UEFA came to the conclusion very, very rapidly, I mean, they had a number of people involved who were independent of UEFA, trying to come up with the rules. They, they very quickly came to the conclusion that um, it wouldn't work. It, it would be challenged in law uh, in terms of the ability of, of a company to borrow money. So they, they rejected that and they went down the profitable route. Um, in terms of old money not liking new money, I, I think that there is that is a valid claim. Um the, the established clubs in Europe, what they feared, they accepted that we now have Chelsea, PSG and um, Manchester City, who wouldn't be where they were were it not for the, the wealth of their owners. And they think, I think the, the view was, we've had enough of this, we'll accept those three clubs into our group, but we don't want any more. And, and certainly I think it makes it very difficult for a club with ambition, with rich owners. And I think Everton would be a classic example. There's no doubt that Farhad Mashiri wants to spend money uh, in terms of developing infrastructure, which actually is allowed for FFP, but also trying to get to the next level in terms of success in the Premier League itself by spending large sums of money on players, on managers, on transfer fees. And he's prevented from doing so because of the existence of financial fair play.
1: So, I mean, almost you can almost see the City have almost got a point. And also, interestingly as well, uh, you can't mention Manchester City without mentioning PSG, who are obviously owned by Qatar. Um, I mean, is there any real difference between what the two clubs have done? I mean, have City got a point there? Because obviously, famously, PSG were looked at last year and, and UEFA found there was no real case to answer.
0: Well, um, there's there's no evidence uh, in respect of PSG that their sponsorship deals had the, the same type of evidence that has been um, allegedly shown in respect of Manchester City, in the sense that if these emails um, have do actually exist, then that is indicative that Manchester City have inflated their, their commercial income. If, if PSG have simply not done anything of that nature, but still have very high um, commercial deals, then it could be that uh when when they saw the the strength of PSG's lawyers UEFA decided to back down uh, i think these emails uh, could be the difference between the two cases
1: you mentioned the emails again and i know we referenced it earlier in the show but city's attitude towards UEFA as we said has been very provocative i mean there was a particular email um apparently allegedly sent from Simon Cliff regarding uh Jean-Luc Dehaene who was on the in the he was in the IC originally yeah and then passed away, and there, were, there was some bit reference to his passing. Which, if it if the, that email exists, it it doesn't shed City in a good light at all. And you can understand why they get people's why why it's got waivers back up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've seen that alleged email as well. Um, if, if people say horrible things, we we know that. Um, but for a professional person to put that, I'm not
1: in talking writing. about just some, someone on the internet. We were talking about a highly paid executive at the, at the top of Manchester City.
0: Exactly, and 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 if that is the case, then it doesn't it doesn't reflect well on him at all. I mean, I don't think you can extend that to the whole club because one person doesn't represent a club. But for for an individual to come out with that, um, especially as you say, a high, highly paid professional person, that smacks of of an attitude which is pretty appalling.
1: Uh, I mean, there's, there's a couple of other things. I, I'm, I've got a couple of questions. Yeah, we're going to mix them all up, though, because it seems to go on one way. Um, we talk about uh, Manchester City and UEFA and them signing up and you know, their intimations that it's corrupt, it's not fit for purpose. Yet, in 2014, City came to a settlement agreement with UEFA. If they think the system is rigged and corrupt, why did they come to a settlement agreement in 2014?
0: Because they might have seen it at the time as the lesser of two evils, um, given that a fine to Manchester City is, is relatively insignificant given, given the, the wealth of the owners. And also, um, they felt at the time that they were looking at a, a longer term project. And I think that longer term project, they were already trying to, um, organize themselves in such a way that they could recruit Pep Guardiola in, in a year or two. They've said, they probably said to themselves, let's just take this fine on the chin. Um, we will go along with the rules. It actually suits our interest because City, to a certain extent, were being held hostage by agents and players. Because every time that City came to town in terms of trying to sign somebody, hyperinflation. They, they, that's right. Yeah. The, the zeros started adding on to, to the wage demands. So it actually allowed City, in their negotiations with players and their representatives, to say, look, we'd love to pay you 400 grand a week we can only, we can't, we can only afford to pay you half of that because we've just agreed a settlement with UEFA which has given us a wage limit so if you if you look at the the criteria that were given as part of the the punishment in in 2014, yes it was a fine part of which was suspended in, in effect but there was also a a, a a wage cap applied to city and there was also a cap in terms of the number of players that could represent the club in the champions League
1: but did they, this they, not? give City themselves three years to get the house in order. It's essentially wiping the You Three hours, to, three years to get the house in order, and, we're still, and here we are again.
0: I think City did get the house in order, actually, during those three-year periods. If you take a look at the ruling, the ruling specifically stated this is in relation to Manchester City's commercial income in the period 2012 to 2016. Now, the majority of that, if you take a look at the numbers, Manchester City had commercial income, if I remember... Uh, correctly of 65 million pounds in 2011 the first year in which they were under investigation that had jumped to 20 to 127 and by the time we got to 2016 it was around about 170.
1: These are the deals with Etihad, Etel, Salat etc etc which you know market value I mean City I've read elsewhere that City's argument may be well what about I don't know the Agnellis with, with Juventus with Fiat etc etc but there's not that it doesn't seem to be that direct relationship and also I, and as you said before it, the the detail in all this seems to rest on these internal emails
0: yes i i think that that, that i think that will be a, a critical issue um in terms of uh juventus and fiat clearly there are close links there um and uh, juventus have just signed a new deal uh, with with jeep which of course is part of fiat and so on um in today's market, if I look at those numbers, and, and I'm not an expert on brand valuation, I'm, I'll be honest there. To me, Manchester City's 2019 deals, I think, are at market rates because they have one the they, Because they've got, they've got there. Because they've got there. It's
1: the period in which they've gone from zero to...
0: That's right. And, and effectively, no. what they've tried to do is to accelerate um, their, their position in being a competitive club as far as player recruitment is concerned. Um, their wage bill is less than that of Manchester United. Um, their net spend on players since Sir Alex left is is around about the same as Manchester United. So are they overspending or are they just trying to put themselves at the top table? That will form part of their argument in that if they're not overspending compared to other elite clubs, then what, what exactly is, are UEFA's rules supposed? Uh, actually achieving um, and they'll also point out to the investment that has been made in East Manchester in the Etihad campus which has provided employment and, and there are positives As somebody that lives close to Manchester for 40 years of my life I've I've seen the difference to that part of town and you know there are positives but that doesn't justify if they have chosen to broken the rules with regards to FFP.
1: It appears to me I mean I'm, I'm a layman on this you're, you're quite clearly <laughs> an expert on this the um would it be fair to say City have tried to be a little bit creative over the past couple of years with public the public publicly available information. So we talk about Roberto Mancini's contract, it turned out he was paid one wage by Manchester City and then another wage by a different arm of what the, the the city football group as a whole. And there's also been been um talk of you know costs being shared across different companies under that under that umbrella.
0: Yes, and and Part, part of me says, if I was running a business, that's how I'd choose to do it. I mean, the whole point about having clubs in in Japan, in Uruguay, in Australia, in New York, is that if you've got central costs, such as HR and legal and accounting, then it makes sense to share them amongst all of the eight clubs under the Citigroup umbrella. That is why... Um, Silver Lake paid $500 million for 10% of the company because they saw the benefits of having a, a much broader organisation than having a single football club and all the risks that go with that.
1: But you could see how, I mean, even to, to someone who doesn't know the ins and outs, how that might look to the competition when, you know, the, 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 there was talk of cost being in care. Basically, the, 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 the insinuation is that City were in care and costs and passing them on to other arms of the company, which is effectively massaging their own figures.
0: that that That's the accusation, and I, I absolutely see the logic about that. Also, if you take a look at the number of employees that Manchester City have, um, I think uh, in the most recent accounts, it was around about 430. You compare that to Manchester United at close to 900, Chelsea Liverpool. are a lot higher, Liverpool and so on. So why have Manchester City got so few employees? If you take a look at Manchester, Manchester City's director's pay, That's conspicuous by the fact that none of the directors earn a penny, and yet if you then go to the City Football Group accounts, you can see that there's three or four million pounds going out. Now, if none of that's being allocated to City, that would appear to be an inconsistency is it a weakness in the ffp rules which they're exploiting in which case then then fair play to them for spotting it you know, is it is that making them any worse than what we've seen happened at uh, at everton with usmanov paying 30 million pounds for the, the rights to name a stadium which has not yet got planning permission because it appears to be having spoken to some people at the Premier League well we never thought of anybody coming up with that so actually we'll probably have to let that one go.
1: Is it a case of it's almost an arms race between the intelligence and the accountants of the clubs versus the regulatory bodies and the, the FA the the, the the Premier League uh, and UEFA?
0: Yes I, I think it is uh, and what tends to happen is that the, the, the football clubs themselves, they can afford to employ smart accountants and smart lawyers. There's nothing wrong with that. That happens in all arms of business. When when financial fair play was first introduced, the first thing I did as, as somebody that that used to teach creative accounting to people on Wall Street was think, well, I've come up with 10 schemes overnight. I know that there's people 10 times brighter than me, so I'm sure that they can come up with things. The financial fair play has been an absolute goldmine for the accounting and legal professions, which, again, was a completely unintended consequence.
1: But you say that, I mean, we'll get on to FFP, uh, well, after the next question. I mean, there's arguments about whether it's been effective transformative, and there are figures to show that it is, but we'll get into specifics in a bit. Go back to the actual verdict being handed down by your wife, and let's just assume that, I mean, we'll get into cash in a minute. But... This, to me, just looking at it, is, is far bigger and far more damaging than what it might just appear on the on table. T- it's not a case of just City being banned for two years. It's the knock-on effect on their revenues with them being looked at. On the, because they're under a microscope anyway. So two years two years without Champions League revenue, that could cripple the club and put them back decade, well a decade.
0: Financially, they've got owners who can bear the losses. But you're absolutely right. Liverpool made over a hundred million pounds last season from their progress in winning the Champions League. And of course, then they had the Super Cup and the World Club Championships on top. So there's, there's a number of layers of income that we need to consider. Uh, in terms of lost prize money, it's anything up to a hundred million. Then you've got six group games. sorry, you've got three group games and three potential home fixtures in the Champions League. The match day revenue lost from that. Your sponsors will be paying bonuses for qualification for the Champions League. Those bonuses will be lost. You put add those up all together, and we're saying that the realistically for a club with sort of the, the, the fan base that Manchester City have and the prices they can charge for matchday tickets, um, I think we're talking somewhere between uh, a, a maximum loss of between 130 and £150 million pounds per season. You, you double that because it's two seasons. We're talking quarter of a billion pounds in lost revenue. What city also have to do during those two years, of course, is satisfy financial fair well, play. Well,
1: this is what I'm saying. I mean, they, they might, the owners might be able to absorb the losses, but then you've got to manage that into your account and operating costs. Yep. that's a big drop.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a huge drop because footballers, you know, football clubs, as we know, that their biggest, their biggest expenses are players in the form of wage costs and transfer fee amortisation. Um, you are locked into contracts with players. We then come to very complicated issues if Manchester City have finished second in the Premier League this season which which at present would appear to be a reasonable assumption Kevin De Bruyne um, according to um I was on television on Sky earlier today Kevin De Bruyne uh, according to Sky sources is on a 1.5 million pound bonus every year that City qualify for the Champions League if Manchester City finish second is he entitled to his bonus that's a good question. And I don't know the answer to and that and so I'm all, not a lawyer.
1: And also the other side of it is, I mean, we've, we've just talked about the, the, the operating cost side of it, but also if you're Kevin De Bruyne and you're 28 years old mm. and you're not going to see the you know, your ambition is to win the Champions League. By the time City get back in the Champions League, assuming that, you know, the drop-off isn't severe, you're now 30 years of age.
0: Yes. And and we could, we could have some really crazy situations is that Manchester City if they win the Champions League, where does that leave them next year in terms of the FIFA World Club Cup?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's a different tournament, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Because
0: yeah. FIFA's not UEFA. So the, the ban wouldn't extend to that. So, you could have a, so we could be talking in 12 months' time with Manchester City being the champions of Europe, the champions of the world, and unable to compete in Europe's premier competition, which just seems a huge <clears throat> inconsistency.
1: The um, we'll talk about Cass if we can. Um, so, the, the City immediately came out and said that we'll be we looking at uh, uh, an independent investigator. I mean, it, it, I'm th- I think it's clear as a, clear as day. They're talking about they're going to take it to cast. Absolutely. Um, which is interesting uh, because you would have thought UEFA would have considered this before. You handing handing the verdict down. What. Is there, can you explain maybe the process with Cass and what they're there for because there seems to be just this this assumption that oh city'll appeal they'll throw some money at it and castle castle reverse it whatever went if you do, there's other pieces I've been reading where that seems to be a little bit of a reach
0: um Cass is, is universal in terms of sports dispute so what Cass always say is sort it out using your own authorities um such as UEFA or the Football Association or the EFL. And a club can then use us as a, a final court uh, of final court of appeal. They don't want to get involved in this. They'd much rather um, the disputes are resolved in-house um, by, by the individual sports themselves. But um, what City will claim is... And City, City really are, are, are sort of back themselves into a corner here. Because if CAS support the UEFA decision... And City have already said CAS are independent and UEFA aren't. Where can City go any further? Because, because they are, they're effectively making accusations in respect of UEFA as being prejudicial when making the decision. And they've claimed that CAS aren't, so therefore they are confident that CAS will reverse that decision. I think there's another issue in terms of the UEFA adjudicating panel um, or committee when when they made the ruling. Did they do that, and and the degree of severity involved in the in the expected knowledge that they have to go and give City a very severe penalty because CAS are probably going to dilute that, and therefore if City end up with a one year ban, um, is, if that's UEFA's ultimate aim, they've got to give them a two year ban initially.
1: What is <clears throat> so? Do I you mean just on that? Is that? That would be unprecedented though, wouldn't it? I mean, I've I've been doing a little bit of reading about what Cass have overturned and it seems to be, you know, individual cases, like single footballers, not not clubs and authorities as a whole. And then you you look at what's happened with Saracens where it was upheld. And I think there was also a case where it's gone to an independent panel. I think it it might have even been the EFL where they've actually, with Baltimore, they've actually tried to increase the sanction as they were incensed about... Bolton threatened to take it to, to an even higher level, so there there is actually a possibility, isn't there, that this could work, end up even worse for Manchester City?
0: That's right. If if uh, if CAS reached the conclusion that Manchester City have deliberately misled uh, in terms of the evidence being presented, then they will apply what what we normally refer to as an aggravating factors uh, element to their final judgment, and City could end up with with a, a longer ban.
1: Um. Just on that, so just the, I mean, how long? Because I know it's a how long a piece of string. The last thing on Manchester City, before we move on to Liverpool just briefly. And I know that City, I, I've once expediency in this. How quickly do you see this turning around? Because we're in a situation here where the football season's short anyway, and we're getting more. We're getting nearer and nearer towards the end of the uh, end of the season already. You know, do you get the impression City want this turning around quicker or do you think there's a little bit of City that wants to stretch it out as far as they can to try and almost filibuster it?
0: I think that City uh, City have benefits in filibustering. I think the problem that they do have is that the ban is in operation unless Cass reverse it. So part of City will want that reversed as quick. So that, that, that won't automatically be suspended? Yeah. I don't think, no. My understanding is it won't be suspended. Okay. The ban is in operation until, uh, uh, until Cass make a ruling. So if City wants to play in next year's Champions League, then surely it's in their interest that this is resolved, You know, ideally, let's say, by the end of March at the, the very latest. And that also, of course, you have to take into consideration, we now have, following last Friday, we now have a race for fifth position in, in the Premier League well if you're chris wilder if if you're uh, carlo ancelotti or even uh, uh, you know or united sorry marina yeah. yeah, yep they are now racing for something which they didn't think that they they're racing for a champions league place but they there will there will already have been meetings this weekend between chief executives directors of football and the coach to say we need to start thinking about next year's player budget and all of a sudden we need to have a squad which is capable of playing in the Champions League and therefore they will start. Because I think fans are very naive when it comes to signing players. The deal The deals are already being negotiated in now and we're in February and you know, meetings are taking place. Some phones are going to stop ringing and other phones are going to start ringing because you need to have a plan A, a plan B and a plan C for Champions League, Europa League and being in the Premier League. Those those plans were being revised as we have this conversation.
1: So, so I, see, I was under the, the impression, that, uh, incorrectly, that the city might try and drag this out and drag it through the courts even above Cass just to try and frustrate the process. Knowing that they'd have to suspend the bans. If that's if that's not the case, and I've got, I, I'm sure you're absolutely right. That's massive. And just what, the the one final thing on city as well is. They'll be looking around for friends, and there's no real incentive for anyone to try and help them out. I mean, not just for spawn reasons because if you're Man United, you think you get in the Champions League now, but why wouldn't you? And also, their attitude just generally towards the the rest of football.
0: Um, I think I think City have have gone beyond needing friends. I mean, what I have been impressed by is actually some of the comments coming out from the other managers this week. And Jurgen Klopp, Jurgen, I thought I thought he was he was very diplomatic, he was very measured, and he was very sympathetic because. He and Pep got on really well. Even Jose Mourinho, who, let's face it, loves loves stirring things, he he was pretty sympathetic. But it's not the player's
1: fault, is it? I mean, you can see where the managers would be looking at it. It's not the players' or the coaches' fault this happened.
0: Exactly. And and they're looking at it from the perspective of being somebody who is directly involved with football as opposed to the suits who ultimately are making all of these decisions.
1: I mean, there's every reasonable chance that the players and even the manager of Manchester City will be feeling let, almost let down by this if if they're, if they're proven to be found, well, they have been found, been found guilty. But if it turns out that it doesn't get overturned, you can understand why staff and even Pep Guardiola well, might feel disappointed because he's obviously he would have been misled too.
0: That's right. They they've been operating in good faith and their agents and their lawyers they'll be they'll be monitoring their contracts very carefully. All clubs have a good faith and good behavior clause in respect of players because if a player is found, you know, taking drugs or involved with making inappropriate uh, inappropriate behaviour, the player conceivably can be sacked. We, we, we've seen that on rare occasions in the past. I think it happened to Chelsea, didn't it? Was it Mutu?
1: Yeah, Adrian uh, Mutu got, yeah.
0: That's right. Um, well, could that therefore be reversed? If an if a manager has signed a contract with a club and the club has now proven to have acted in a completely inappropriate way, fabricating evidence, um, overstating, could the, could the player's agent or the, the manager's agent go to court and say, you've behaved in an appropriate way. You therefore have to release us from our contract.
1: I mean, did this just spin, as I said, much bigger than what anyone's oh, really talking uh, yeah. about? It, it, it's, it,
0: the, the, the ramifications in terms of UEFA, in terms of Pep, in terms of players, and in terms of Manchester City. You know, I live in Manchester. Half of my mates are in Manchester support City. Half of my mates in Manchester support United. This is without the reputational uh, the, damage as yeah, well. It, it's... It's the fans. You know, we're the ones that always suffer as a result of this because City fans don't know which way to turn. Um, United fans don't whether don't whether to goad them and get excited. Um, who, who knows what's going I to mean, happen? I mean, if
1: you're a people. City fan as well, it just kind of confirms what everyone's been saying. Not confirms, but it also it just adds into, into the sense what everyone's been saying about you now. You've got hardly any defence. Right, final question then. I promise you. Um, we talk about... Uh, a lot of the reporting around Martin Samuel in particular has been very vociferous over the last couple of days saying, oh, you know, it's a closed shop. It's been designed to protect the elite clubs, et etc." et cetera. So with that in mind, let's turn this around to Liverpool a little bit. Now, Liverpool have historically always been a big club, et cetera, et cetera. But how have Liverpool managed to do so well whilst complying within FFP rules, given the mess that they were in when Family Sports Group took over compared to... What the position cities find themselves in now?
0: Um, Liverpool always had a a very decent commercial income base because they have a global fan base. Um, they have that level of support which has always stuck with them historically. So that's always been in Liverpool's favour. I think the other thing in in respect of Liverpool is that they've bought so few turkeys that they have a strategy by having a director of football by, by using, um, a strategy for recruitment of both players and management, which is long term in nature. I think Manchester City, to give them some credit, they have installed that system. You contrast that to Manchester United, who are a scattergun approach. Um, so I, th- I think Liverpool have spent money smarter. They're having money and they're spending it well. Liverpool have spent it extremely well. City have spent it well. Manchester United, disaster area.
1: Brilliant. Um, Kieran, uh, thanks very much for coming in. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Where do you see this end, then?
0: Um, I think by the end of March, we will have a ruling from Cass. My gut reaction is that City will end up with a one-year ban or a one-year suspended ban.
1: Brilliant. As said, top of the show, uh, Kieran Maguire, um, football, football Industry, at the University of Liverpool, got the price of football out. I've ordered the copy. You should get a copy too. That's been a tour special. Thanks very much.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.